You are listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. So uh, we are back again. I'm very excited uh, for another conversation with someone who has shared some educational overlap with me. He did his PhD where I did my master's, and I think this is going to be an insightful conversation. We're really thrilled to have Tareen Webb with us. Um, I know that um, your experience, Roberto, with Tareen um, is one that you speak very highly of. And so I'm really excited to actually be able to sit in on this conversation and and experience the two of you um, and maybe a little bit of interjection from me along the way. Um, Tareen is the um, Associate Director of the Global Center at Indiana University, um, and is also a professor in the Department of African American and African Diaspora Studies. And so we are thrilled to have you with us. We're thrilled that you are um, that you said yes to joining with us and having this conversation. Why don't you share a little bit with our listeners about who you are and how you come at this work? Let folks know who you, let folks know what you're doing in the world. Yeah. So thank thanks so much to you all for for inviting me. Uh, to be a part of this of this conversation, uh, I am freshly in Indiana, um, and had a bit of a uh, a circuitous past. I'm a, I'm a bit of a city boy myself, so I I uh, really like to kind of ground to to ground my, my work in in these sorts of conversations and in, in the, the the many years that I spent um, at the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Conference, faith based mm-hmm. African American faith based justice organization based in Chicago, right. Um, you know, doing doing a lot of work there with with their Middle East portfolio, uh, and and uh, some of some of my early my earlier academic work, uh, you know, as as you mentioned at Garrett Evangelical, finishing my PhD work there, and, and also doing some early center directing mm-hmm. work, and I and I really kind of ground myself um, as as an as an activist and thinker, you know, in in those spaces because those are the spaces where my work is really kind of most germinated. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast is uh, both contemplation and an invitation for folks to get their hands dirty. Mm. And we talk a lot about um, the kind of world we want. And, you know, when the pandemic started and we saw state violence in the execution of Black folk, which is historical and ongoing, a repeated pattern, many people began to talk about or use this phrase collective liberation. And it has me curious because it seems like everybody has their own definition of what liberation might mean. And and I'm just wondering if you could help us connect the dots and translate theory to action by 
by entertaining this question, what, what do we really mean when we say liberation? Yeah, that's a great question. What, what I mean when I say things like uh, collective liberation at, at, a, at a most basic level, I'm thinking about ensuring that communities, period, communities everywhere, have the, uh, the resources, the uh, opportunities, the possibilities for thriving and flourishing um, that, that they deserve by virtue of them being human communities in the, in the earth, right? Um, and for me, that's quite colored by uh, a very deep internationalist commitments and very deep internationalist sensibilities. So a lot of my work is transnational, um, specifically kind of lo looking at different communities under siege um, uh, comparatively mm -hmm. uh, or, or communities, if not comparatively, communities in relationship mm -hmm. uh, kind of across both the U.S. context and multiple communities in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So part of what that means for me is uh, by virtue of the nature of those sorts of relationships, collective liberation must also account for the ways that um, either of those community contexts implicate the possibilities for flourishing and thriving of the other, mm. right? Um, and specifically in, in my work, when I think about, you know, ethical allyship is a, is a, is a phrase you'll hear me say often, mm -hmm. I think this, you know, connected necessarily with collective liberation. But for me, that, that'll look tangibly like if I, if my context is the United States, right, and, and I am serious and committed to doing work, uh, collective liberation work with communities outside of the United States, in regions of the world that are consistently hammered by U.S. imperialism, mm. well, we have to account for that. Right. Because, because I'm, I'm implicated. Right. My community is implicated, and we can think about that not only across geopolitical lines, you know, any any sort of solidarity work, racial right. solidarity, gender-based solidarity, on and on. But that's kind of part of what I'm yeah. holding when I think of collective liberation. So, Anne and I live not far from you yep. in Tennessee, uh, in a red state, with increasing folds of fascism, Christo-fascism, theocratic fascism. And this morning, I woke up and Anna shared the news of the violence perpetuated against um, our community. And I say our community because we, we are all in relationship with uh, different people, uh -huh. right? Yes. And, you know, as a trans person, uh, you know, I find myself um, at a loss for, yeah. um, if if we are compromised by the system and we try to imagine ethical futures but at every turn the system the machinations of the system executes us mm -hmm. yeah whether it's the fall of democracy, whether it's Matt Walsh attacking uh, trans care in Tennessee, whether it's the shooting in Colorado Springs. Yes. How do we imagine another possible world mm -hmm. when every day it is, as Willie James Jennings says, death in every place? Mm -hmm. 
And how does that dovetail, uh, Tareen, in your work to not just being a people who are committed to thwarting these kinds of this kind of violence here on mm-hmm. uh, home soil but also recognizing to to what you shared previously that we are knitted together in both complicity and in humanity with death bringing policy and 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 systems that are affecting not just those who identify today as queer in Colorado, but those who identify as um, Christian in places of the world where persecution is happening in real time, as those who I identify in any number of ways in other places. Um, How, how does that, how do we see ourselves not just as humans who respond today and and in a finite way but how do we respond as humans in a broad and and liberative way yeah that's that's a great question that's a hard question um you know and i i should have said this at the outset but i I should also say that um it's to clarify that my thoughts and opinions are my own you know not those on behalf of any of the institutions i currently or previously have been a part of um you know that this so on, on one level, I think we're in trouble, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if we're just keeping it a buck, I think, I think we're in a lot of trouble, yeah. um, you know, as a, as a human community. Mm-hmm. Um, I am always just uh, amazed at the never-ending ability of an interest, apparently, desire of, of humanity to um, continue to want to harm humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's this. And, you know, we see this in lots of different ways. Are you recalling the conversation we had with Steve Davidson? Mm-hmm. Where when we translate the Bible, mm-hmm. there are agendas brought into that translation process yeah, right. that has ultimately harmed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Black and brown people, LGBTQ people with the introduction of a word. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. for example, um homosexual didn't appear in the Bible until the 70s in in a, in a particular translation, mm-hmm. right? So uh, so we, we see this uh, interest yes. or agenda in in a multiplicity of ways. Right. Yes. right? So so systems mm-hmm. and uh, the matrix of oppressions have, yes have an agenda they have interest in preserving right their power yeah and, yeah. and trouble trouble is a hamster wheel we are finding trouble and trouble is finding us yeah 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 you know and i i think for, for me when i when i kind of make my way back to to this question i think so i i'm i'm thinking about you know, the, this, this African indigenous sensibility, and, and I'm sure another, I mean, and in a number of other indigenous communities, actually, but but this idea that, you know, yes, yes, it is the case that, that we are all woven together in, in a single thread of humanity, right? And, and with each uh, with each crime and with every kindness, right? We, we, uh, we implicate um, generations, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
but kind of taking that taking that further, I, I very very deeply believe in the sense that on uh, this idea that our choices in 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 an interesting way uh, are are connected uh, in ways that I'm sure we will we will never we will never know on this side, but but are connected both with. Uh, the the communities and traditions that that have formed us uh, persons who have come and gone from this place long before we were even thought of as well as those persons communities who will one day take our place on this earth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right you know so what does it mean then when we think of ourselves mm-hmm. um, and, and our work in the earth and in a way that 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 kind of implicates in both of those directions, right? Uh, and and some of some of my elders, you know, who are, who are you know re- really really deeply. I'm thinking of a couple people in particular, um, really really deeply, uh, kind of committed to to the Christian faith, right? Uh, as as well as practitioners of African indigenous religions, mm-hmm. right? And and they talk to me about the, this idea that um, our our choices in real time have a way of, of both uh, kind of correcting um, choices made by those who have come and gone long before we were even thought of, as well as course correcting, right, for, for those generations right, to, to come. And we have these we have these historical examples mm-hmm. of folks who kind of kind of standing in these sorts of realities, right? right? Uh, and and for me, that's that's so. So poignant a point, because for for me, that one brings me back to the traditions in which I'm grounded, mm-hmm. right? Because part of what what we know about uh, character attacks, right, against those of us who are serious about activist intellectual work, mm-hmm. part of what we know about these moments, they try to isolate us, right, and and try to kind of separate us from our from from our community from our traditions, mm-hmm. right? So so one thing that the sensibility for me does is it kind of regrounds me in um, the type of mysticism, right? right? Uh, that that I'm convinced uh, my own kind of four four parents, uh, you know, espouse carried with them some capacity they had to, but it also reminds me that you know my 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 choices and who I show up, how I show up in any of these justice movements. Um, One day, somebody who I will never know is going to have to give account, right? Um, I think about, you know, I think about my kids a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think about my kids' kids and and on and on and Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And for me, that, that kind of harnesses me and the ethics of the work, mm-hmm. uh, as as well as you know when when it gets when it gets hard. Mm-hmm. This is reminding me of a book that Judith Butler wrote. Uh, I don't know, ten years ago or so, um, about giving account of ourselves, mm-hmm. and how do we do that in this mm-hmm. moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also thinking about Anna. We've had a lot of conversations about not being part of the social justice industrial complex. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, because many of these social movements mm-hmm. then become compromised right. 
by the industrial complex of social justice movements, right? And so what I love about what you're saying, and we talk a lot about this, is you're really rooting your uh, practice and and your method in relationality. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about activist theology having an ethics of incojunto, Mm -hmm. which is fostering a togetherness, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is hard to find that these days. It's hard to find it. You Mm -hmm. know? Um, And so... I'm wondering, as we as we think about uh, the, this question, if 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 collective, I mean, I feel like collective implies groupthink mm-hmm. or growth mindset. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people opposed to collaboration. Mm-hmm. They're more invested in competition mm-hmm. because they've been so compromised by capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we really create an emergence of liberation that is rooted in this collective nature of relationships, incojunto, mm-hmm. um, ancestral wisdom, yes. the mysticism right. that moves us? Mm-hmm. Not that I expect you to have that answer, but I'm hoping that this will start a conversation for people so that people in their backyards or on their porches... Right. Right can have the same conversation because I know that we're not the only ones asking this question. Right. 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 I mean, I think some of it has to do with, we, we don't view other people, other persons in community as sacred. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there's, it's, which kind of goes back to our anthropology. What we, what we think about, which then is informed by our theologies. Yes. Particularly Christology. Right. Which is why everybody's got a white Jesus in their church. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, Again, I mean, if we're, if we're just talking straight, I mean, people people hate folks. Right. And people hate other people. And, and I'm not just talking about like these, you know, the, these caricatures of extremism that we always see on our news. On, on the, I mean, on that's the real I mean, life. That, that's, that's, that's real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, kind of going back to this idea of complicity. So I'm one thing that I often say on, on these questions of, of justice I think we are all wise to always remember that we are all always implicated in the very systems that we simultaneously claim to disavow. Right. I think this is the nature, this is the nature of systems. Well, and I see this all the time. I mean, I talk about this all the time Mm. uh, because I've got these three little letters behind my name. Right. And three little letters in front of my name. Mm -hmm. It implies the kind of systems Mm -hmm. that have shaped me and how deeply compromised I am by both of those systems. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So even in yeah. my attempt to do public scholarship, I'm still deeply compromised right. by the church yes. and by the academy. Right. And, 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 I, and, I think, and I think this idea and this, this recognition, uh, the, this recognition of how deeply compromised we all are I think it's especially useful if we're trying to take seriously collective justice movements, right? Right, and and I'm and I'm thinking in particular about any number of kind of race-based or gender-based uh, or or sexuality-based kind of efforts, and, and spe- I'm specifically locating this in the U.S. now because um, it's just where my mind happened to jump to. But any number of kind of solidarity or coalitional, you know efforts, um, initiatives, conversations, you know, so on and so forth, have been, just in the past 
five years, right, have been so constituted by communities wanting to be in kind of allyship, and I'll put that in, in, in air quotes, with communities presu- uh, presumably under siege, but but not knowing how to do that, mm-hmm. right? And not and not asking communities and people groups, you know, how can I best stand alongside you? Mm-hmm. When we presume to know the answers to those questions without asking the questions first, which you know I I have have long said uh, that that I think a lot of white progressive do-gooders are. are so often um, implicated by, complicit in, guilty of, right? I, th- I think I think that hurts us. Mm-hmm. I think I, it hurts us. I'm wondering, and I know I keep bringing this up on these podcasts, but I think it's useful right now. Can we talk about the proximity to whiteness? Oh yes, and how and how that um, mm-hmm. destabilizes our liberation movements. I mm-hmm. I was sharing with you when we were walking down the hall that we went to the HTI. reception the hispanic theological initiative and i could only stay for about 30 minutes and i'm and i partially because it was too painful for me to witness what was happening and i'm wondering if you ever encounter this in black religious scholars uh events um i think latino folks latinx folks are because of the proximity to whiteness that um, I don't know that they see themselves deeply compromised. Mm. And and what I was, and I'll explain this, what I was witnessing yesterday and I was lamenting to Anna on the walk back is that these normative expressions of academia, that if you had a job, they listed what institution you were at. If you didn't have a job, you were listed as an independent scholar and how all what i imagine all of these folks are they are vying for the same job instead of imagining other other channels Mm -hmm. to live out their vocational life Mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm just curious what is the first time you've been to Mm -hmm. an aar reception Mm -hmm. what what was your like, what was your feeling? What What did you witness? Um, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you're right. I, I am. This was my first time, and I first also rodeo. my first rodeo. And I also recognize that the large majority of my uh, response, um, the, the response mechanism that my body creates, is holy and fully grounded in my own whiteness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and it informs all all that i see around me and it is incumbent on me in real time and after the fact to then kind of navigate myself through what i'm feeling what i'm seeing what my body's telling me um what i'm sensing i mean there were Parts of me, as I'm watching this kind of video display and the announcements of who received tenured positions, who was given a job, who graduated from certain universities, who, um, you know, got a promotion, that found myself 
wanting to celebrate Mm -hmm. alongside them, um, both in, in, in solidarity of their achievement. And also because I feel, uh, because I recognize that historically Brown humans are, have not been lifted in these ways. Um, and, and in these spaces and, after the fact, I hear your lament, Roberto, about how it makes, you know, how it's settled with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think for me, it is a it, it's a real time interrogation. Yeah. Um, I don't sense for a second that I am um, in any way different than many of my progressive white colleagues, for lack of a better terminology, even though I don't define myself as progressive in many instances. But I think it is it is that interrogation piece that is often lost um, by those of us who would say that we were the well-intentioned right. folks. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Because we, we, are, we, are, we are living in and living into the constructs that have created us. Right. And so even in my solidarity effort, mm-hmm. even in my liberation effort, and even in my interrogation effort, I am conscripted into the systems of whiteness right. that have brought me here. And that in many ways are affecting the two of you in sometimes similar ways, but oftentimes radically different ways. And so my, I guess my question for you, Terrain, would be, both domestically and internationally, there is a conscription to whiteness that even those that aren't white are, are, are living into and living out of. And how does that contribute to the collectiveness or how does it dismantle our ability for collective liberation when we recognize that whiteness is and continues to be a thread um, that even outside of the walls where um, brownness or blackness is the norm and always has been the norm, those spaces are still conscripted into whiteness and into a Eurocentric homogeny that um, is informing decision-making and and praxis. Right, right. Yeah, so obviously one of the spaces in which I'm, I'm located and, and I've been located for, for a long time is you know, higher education in the United States, right? Um, so the first kind of register I'm thinking about the implications of your question is uh, in, in the U.S. Academy. Um, I, I, think, I think it's debilitating us. Mm. I, think it, I, I think it is, it is absolutely uh, hammering us. Can you can you expound on who the us is? Yeah, yeah. So by 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 us there, I mean um, any any community under siege, Thanks. right? And and you know, so what I'm thinking there there specifically one thing that, uh, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure every every kind of racial ethnic community has 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 similar kind of words of uh, internally, mm-hmm. words of that, words of um, uh, ad- admonition. Kind of, kind of give 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 you all kind of some some secrets in, into the. It's really not uh, some in, internal community community language. One thing that that, that uh, black folk talk about all the time is, especially in, in in these sorts of spaces, just because 
uh, somebody is your skin folk does not mean they're your kin right. folk. Right, mm. exactly. Right. So, so, so for for me, one of the the painful realities that I that I have experienced, um, kind of in as a as a graduate student, just about at, at every level, the fact that somebody so I I, I self identify I self identify as um, a a uh, black U.S. based heterosexual male. Okay. Um, one of the painful realities of my experience as a graduate student, uh, and I've been a graduate student at a number of different institutions, right? master's degree, PhD, so on and so forth. The fact that uh, there's somebody else black in this space does not, does not mean that they're our friends. Right, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm being reminded of this as a-, as a In as real a, time. In, in real time, right, as a, as a black man. So, and, that, and, that's, and that's just kind of one, one example kind of 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 a of any number of of moments like this but when when i think about how power functions Mm -hmm. right and kind of going back to this question of of implicatedness when i think about how power functions um and you know what frederick douglas reminded us you know many moons ago that that you know power is not going to concede anything willingly right so when we when we have differently marginalized communities kind of along any axis in these again these sorts of institutional spaces um the fact that there are persons in those spaces who might self-identify the same way but wield disproportionate amounts of power is is no guarantee of our safety ever right right Right. Uh, when i when i think about that in internationally you know, it, it goes it goes to the question. So I I, I do a lot of uh, I do a good good amount of work, um, uh, you know, in, in the Muslim world, um, uh, across a, a couple different a couple different countries. You know, I have in the past ten years, and one thing that I am always having to give account of not not so much these days because I've been in, I've, I've been doing the work for a few for several years but especially in, in my in my early days i'd be introduced into new communities um uh arabic speaking communities kind of introduced to two folks um and a question i would always have to answer is you know you you are a a black christian theologian from the united states right right we we don't we don't have to tell you how suspicious that looks to right. us you have to give account give account of that, mm-hmm. right? Be, be, because of the history, the profound histories of uh, of, of Christian anti-Semitism, of of Christian uh, Islamophobia, mm-hmm. of um, U.S. American hegemony, right? Right. And imperial tactics. Uh, imperial tactics, right? So, so you know, to to this question, I think part of part of our work then. I think is is always, and, and by and by our there, I, I mean kind of th- those of us again, kind of in in these trying to be serious about this work of ethical allyship, trying to be serious about this work of collective liberation. I think part of our responsibility necessarily is thinking in terms of um, again re- reminding ourselves of that implicatedness, mm-hmm. right? And kind of within that, thinking about I like to use the language of thinking about when and where and how we can opt out mm-hmm. right and that, that's not original language one of my one of my great theological teachers dr ann joe uh at, at, at garrett kind of 
help help kind of cultivate me in in that language because we are all implicated in different ways, right? Um, what are the ways that we can uh, relinquish some of the uh, the the power that we espouse in spaces that disproportionately implicate and harm other folks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are in the same spaces that we are. And so that's not just a question of of um, opting out, or, or maybe, let me rephrase that, is that just the opt out, or does that also come in the form of thwarting? Yes. I mean, is, it's, oh, yeah, it's an advancement upon yes. and, and a disruption, and it is also absolutely. a self-selecting and, and, a, and a movement back from... And like a disentanglement from, and I think I think the my curiosity has always been around this dance that we do mm. um, in when we advance and thwart mm-hmm. and disrupt, and when we self-select out and right. and back up and remove ourselves. Both are disruptions, but the passive versus active nature of one versus the other is always going to be situational and always going to be yes. something that is going to have to be determined kind of in real time. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it has to be that. I think it absolutely has to be that. Yeah. You know, yeah. as we're talking about this and about thinking about proximity to whiteness, which we talk a lot about, um, I feel really frustrated that and it goes to what you're saying about not all skin folk or kin folk mm-hmm. that that there are Latinx folks who have no tie to land or people or community in mm. Latin America. Yep. Who right. who use a family name mm. to advance themselves in the academy. And and I remember distinctly a Nancy Bedford, my teacher, mm-hmm. handed me Gloria Anzadua and mm-hmm. said, "This is your story. Mm-hmm. Get to know it." Mm-hmm. And that I cultivated um, my own sort of self identity as a Latinx person f- based on land, mm-hmm. and then based on numerous and frequent trips to Mexico to develop relationships with people. And it was only after that, that I reached out to my family and said, I'm going to reclaim this Mm -hmm. for myself because due to migration and assimilation into whiteness, Mm -hmm. that was not handed to me. Right. And yet we have right now in real time, white professors telling Latinx graduate students, white passing Latinx folks, use your family, use a family name that Uh will get you somewhere. And so this talk about the deeply being deeply compromised and, and people do it. Yeah. And and do they do it because they want to, well, they want advancement in the academy. Do they do it because they need to. Right. Um, is it a combination somewhere in between? Um, I mean, there there is something to be said for playing a system that has historically harmed you. 
there well, is it's, it's one thing to hustle, right? Uh, yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. another thing. And, and that's the line. Right. 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 That, right. That, that is the line. Right. Yeah. It's another thing to uh, play the system so well that you mm. get stuck and you know no other games. Right. Um, yeah. I hustle the system all the time. Right. And, um, and, and in fact, I renew my AAR membership as a retired member and I register as a retired member because I think it's absurd <laughs> to make people who don't have any institutional funding yeah. pay $300 to register. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I print my name tag off twice and I give one to my podcast co-host. So we walk around with the same name on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, this, this is how, yeah. this is how we hustle it. Um, so that I can continue to engage in, in a way that feels yeah. good to me instead of compromising myself more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, um, I think it's Fred Moten that, that reminds us, you know, again, for so, so many, uh, I think he was talking about black, black fugitivity in, in particular, but, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, expanding that out to, uh, again, like, any number of communities under siege. I think that the only relationship that's possible for us to have with these with these institutions, I mean, higher education, maybe just institutions, period, is a fugitive one. Right. Right. So part of part of the question then is, you know, what type of fugitivity are we going to want to embody? <laughs> right. You know, my colleague and we've talked about that on, that on the podcast before yeah. because yeah. I very much identify myself as a fugitive scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just after today, and I read your Instagram post mm-hmm. around, you know, as a trans person living in the South, I constantly feel hunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't want to fuck with this, these systems that are hunting me. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm staying indoors all day yeah. because of what happened yeah. in the Springs, you know, but yeah, how do we... I mean, I fear that the people that we were with last night mm-hmm. at HTI, mm-hmm. that they have no concept of fugitivity, that they are mm. they are in this system mm-hmm. to win it and to climb the ladder. And, and, and it's just like, and I mentioned it to Monica about how all these institutions are hiring black women to do equity and, sure. and diversity, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Sure are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we don't have any black women scholars teaching or doing research yeah 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 and i mean i think this goes back to uh, to, to the point uh, roberto i think you were, you were mentioning earlier about the the moment that we're in is one of, of co-optation right right at a, at a corporate level right, right? so when, when you when you have nike and amazon and all this other madness uh i mean big business right dumping tons of money mm-hmm. To, to activists and, and artists to kind of do the black stuff. Right. That, I mean, I, I have artists in Chicago right now, black artists with whom I'm, I'm very close, talking about, you know, how, who kind of came up through, who um, came up through the Southside art scene, mm-hmm. right? Um, who have been approached by a number of corporations in the past five years about, you know, asking them, hey, can you do this mural on our building? And all, all this other, and then it introduces questions right. for me of you know, the ethical integrity of the movement. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Right, and, 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 and we're still in a moment where you know, everybody's trying to be on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. And I think the institutions are still scrambling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because nobody wants to, you know, no nobody wants to, um, uh, fifty years 
from now uh, to to be and by and by nobody. I'm talking specifically about white institutions, corporations. I mean, folks don't want to be on the wrong side of history, mm-hmm. right? And and I think I think they. I think they already are. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. They're already on the wrong side. I mean, I mean, academia is a failing project. Yes, and it's not just because of the corporatization mm-hmm. of the academy. It is because it is fundamentally rooted in numerous folds of supremacy cultures that they don't know how to untangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and therefore, yeah. you know. That's why you have people of color, black and brown folks, so deeply compromised. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 And that's why you have things like um, a bunch of money being funneled in, into diversity programs. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and a bunch of hires, right, that... Cluster hires. Cluster mm-hmm. hires. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and, and it's... You know, what when I, when I mentioned earlier, I think... You know, I, I think that I think that we're in trouble. I mean, I, I think in a in a in a in a, in a in a very serious way. You know, I think in a very serious way. Um, you know, I'm I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah, about, I'm nervous about kind of the moment that we're in and, and how this will how this will will reflect on those who come after us. Mm. You know, I, I'm really wondering what can we live without. And and as fugitive scholars, what does our fugitivity call us to give up, to be suspicious of, mm-hmm. to reclaim, and then and then what is it that we can't live without, mm-hmm. and and how do we steward both ethical allyship and ethical futures from that place? Mm-hmm. And, and, we can think, we? and we began this conversation asking a question around collective liberation mm-hmm. and is is one of the things that we can't live without that very that very thing. I mean, is right. is a, a pursuit and an, and an unapologetic, uncompromised pursuit of collective liberation, mm-hmm. the thing that could fracture systems Mm -hmm. in order for that kind of future that kind of Mm -hmm. belonging that kind of of possibility right and and in in my estimation at least the the traditions in which i ground myself and in the histories and literatures uh that, that come out of those traditions um would answer that question by saying well yes yes the answer is yes, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, and I think that's I think that's the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tareen, thank you so much. We couldn't be more grateful that you said yes to this request. That you spent a little while with us. I know our listeners will find this um, conversation one that they're going to hold on to for a long time. I'm grateful that you're here. Um, thank thanks for, for thanks for doing this work with us. Thank you for having you, me. You might see another invitation back on here because I think I'll be ready for it. I think that the work that you're doing is really good. I can't wait to share a meal with you. I likewise look forward to it. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world please give us five stars on your podcast platform. 
want to help support this podcast, go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no mercy. So I just keep working. Maybe God could save me. Or my boss might pay me. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.